0: Let's turn in our Bibles to uh, Psalm 77. Psalm 77, 1 to 12. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused and my spirit inquired. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? has his promise failed for all time has god forgotten to be merciful has he in anger withheld his compassion then i thought to this i will appeal the years of the right hand of the most high i will remember the deeds of the lord yes i will remember your miracles of long ago i will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds.
1: I would like to take you to uh, the Book of Ruth, for uh, go back to the Old Testament for uh, about six weeks or so, to and that can culminate with Thanksgiving. Um, that's my plan, Lord willing. Um, While I was, while we were on holidays, um, people keep asking me about when my surgery, my heart surgery is going to happen, and I keep saying I don't know. And I wasn't about to phone the doctor and wreck my holidays, so um, I waited till my holidays. (laughs) I started playing hockey again this week, by the way. What's the worst that can happen? What's the best that can happen, you know, like, you just... Mm, yeah. So anyway, um, we'll just see how it goes. Anyway, so my plan is to, is to do this, to, to work through this, this um, walking tall when life beats you down thing and, and to finish this up on Thanksgiving but I did phone the doctor's office, and they did say that um, uh, the surgeon's gone till the middle of September, so right now they're talking end of September, middle of October, I don't know. So um, that's that's my timeline, and that's, uh, for the rest, I don't know. So that's all I can tell you. All right, let's get into the book of Ruth. Just going to read... um, The first five verses there. And we're going to talk about life coming unglued. And if there's life going to come unglued, it certainly happened here in the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, or judges judged, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name, Naomi, and the, wives, or the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Killian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Sometimes life comes unglued. Kathy and I had three and a half weeks of absolutely fabulous vacation time at Greenwater Lake. But as we were driving home from Greenwater Lake, we, our thoughts turned to one family, and we've, we've camped uh, at Greenwater Lake off and on for 20 years, and basically for the last 15 years in a row. But there was one family that we used to meet there, or one couple that we used to meet there just about every summer, Christian couple. And we would visit with them and, and sit around a campfire and, and talk and whatever all else. But as we were coming home, we were reminded of that couple again, and as they were coming home from Greenwater Lake one year, there was a vehicle accident. And someone missed stop sign and drove into their vehicle, and the wife was killed. Sometimes life comes unglued. Life can change in a heartbeat. but. Maybe that hasn't happened to you. But some of us here are getting a little older. And maybe those golden years aren't quite so glittery, and the gold isn't real gold. You remember those gold bracelets that you used to get, and your skin would turn green underneath them? You know, what would that tell you? <laughs> There's something wrong with that metal. And, and maybe that's kind of like, you know, a life for some of us, these golden years, our skin is turning green. And life changes more slowly, but it certainly changes. And now, instead of stepping through a barbed wire fence like you used to, you're looking for a gate and a ride, right? Remember, you used to just climb through the fence? Nah. Yeah. So we need to deal and we need to face the reality life, realities of life. And one of those realities is that sometimes life smiles and God is good. But as we get into this story, do you remember the time, the Bible starts off by saying, now when the judges judged, in the time that the judges ruled, do you remember what that was like? Do you remember from the book of Judges? Let's go back and do a little bit of a history lesson. So. Israel went down, Jacob and his sons, 70 people all together, went down and lived in Egypt because there was a famine in Israel. The story of Joseph and his brothers and all the rest of that. That group grew into one and a half to two and a half million people. And God sent Moses to take them out of Egypt and to lead them back to the land that he had promised way back to give to Abraham. And so they came out of there. They went through the Red Sea. They went into the wilderness and had that big hiccup there because some people decided they sent out 12 spies. Remember the story? Twelve men went to spy out Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. And so the ten spies came back and said, no, we're not going to do this. And the people said, no way, we need to go back to Egypt. And so God said, as a result of that, you're going to wander in this desert till every single one over the age of 20 has died. And I think there was, I forget how many, I figured it out one time, something like 500 funerals a day. Um, If you would have been an undertaker, you would have had a really good business till all those people died. And so then they finally came into the promised land under Joshua. And they went through this period of time called the conquest, and they won most of the land. But go back with me to Judges chapter 2, and we'll find out what life was like. So Joshua dies, chapter 2 and verse 8 in the book of Judges, right ahead of Ruth. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of a hundred and ten and then verse 10 after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and they served the Baals they forsook the Lord the God of their fathers and so they 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 got into this this idolatry they turned their backs on God and walked away from them and because of that verse 14 in his anger against Israel the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them he sold them to their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist whenever Israel went out to fight the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them just as he had sworn to them they were in great distress then the Lord raised up judges, now the judges weren't national rulers, they were like the marshals and the sheriffs of the Wild West, regional guys, who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to these, their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. Verse 18, whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived, for the Lord had compassion on them as they groaned under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their fathers following other gods and serving and refusing them or worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and, and their evil ways. And so twice in the book of Judges you read a summary of what life was like in those days and the summary goes like this, in those days Israel had no king. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes or everyone did as he saw fit. So this is the climate in which the book of Ruth takes place. When life was good in the time of the judges and and a judge would come along and he would get rid of the foreigners and people would wholeheartedly turn back to the Lord and sometimes the land had peace for 10 or 15 or 20 or 40 years or whatever. When life was good, it was really good. But there were also times that life got really ugly. And sometimes life is good for us too. Now, one of the interesting things Things is when you get into the book of Ruth, where where was this family from? Look in your Bibles. Where was this family from? Bethlehem. Okay, what do you know about Bethlehem? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. That's right. That's about all that we know. You know, Like, like that. But think about this. Where do we get place names from? Where is Where is the? Where did we get the name for cadet? Anybody know? Hey, what? What? Right. Hey, Cadet Rapids, and, and but the, the the name of the guys and the name goes from from a fur trader from way back, but his name was actually Cadot, C A D O T T E, Cadot. But when the town name went to get registered, somehow it got misspelled and it became Cadet. So there you go. Uh, that's where we got the name of Cadet. Uh, where did we get the name? Uh, let me think now. Uh, I'll I look this up. Love. Pardon me? A gentleman. He was the first CPR conductor on, on the railway. Okay, his name was Love. What about the name Choiceland? I think Cadet used to be called, or, or Love, at one time they were talking about naming it and Flats, but that, or was it Cadet? No, maybe it was Cadet they were going to name that. Anyway, Choiceland was, was named that because of the choice country in which it was there. Weirdale is named after who? I just look, I look, every time I go by Weird, Weird Ale, I think of Weird Ale. You know, it's the name of the funny beer. Um, but you know who who, who Weird Ale is named after? He was the first minister of agriculture in Saskatchewan who was actually born in Ontario, but he, he farmed around Weldon someplace. So, I mean, it, it's an interesting history where we get some of those names. What about the name Bethlehem? Where do we get it? Well, the name, the word Beth, or Beth in, in, in Hebrew, means house. Beth Shemesh, house of the sun. Um, so, and, and Lechem, uh, which is the last little part of, or, or Lechem, actually, it's, it's supposed to be, The emphasis is on the first syllable when it's got two e's on it, so beth lechem. Um, Lechem means food or bread. So the word Bethlehem means house of food or house of bread. What does that tell you? It was probably probably what? a A farming place. But when life was, it probably produced a lot of food. It's kind of like the breadbasket of Canada here, Bethlehem, or Bethlehem. House of food was a place where there was a lot of food produced. By the way, think about Christmas. What was happening around Bethlehem? Who were those guys that, that the angels appeared to? Why were they there? Because it was a good place for sheep to go. Lots of food around. So isn't it ironic that a place that is called Baith Lechem, house of food or house of bread, becomes a place that you now have to leave because of famine? Think about that. Here is a place that is probably one of the best places in Israel in terms of growing stuff at that particular time. And the house of food or the house of bread is empty. What's going on? It was in the time that the judges judged. And when you look at my life, and you look at our lives here, I just had a pretty fantastic summer. And I don't know what the rest of you are thinking, but I'm driving around here, I'm I'm a city kid, but even to a city kid, crops look pretty good, don't they? For those of you that have been farming. It's looking pretty good. I know they're not in the bin yet. The economy is relatively healthy. My health is generally okay. Our bills are paid, plus we have more than we need. Kathy painted the back door of our house. You should come see it. It looks really good. It's some kind of, like, Kathy is like Gertrude's jacket there. Is that the right color? Yeah, pretty much the right color. Yeah, but you got to go through the back alley to see it, so... You know, life relatively smiles for us. and, and, And maybe for you, life is going pretty fair right now. But sometimes, life comes unglued. And there was a famine in the land, and so they chose to go to Moab. Moab was on the other side of the river. If you can picture a map of Israel, remember the Jordan River runs from the Sea of Galilee all the way down to the Dead Sea. Now if you can picture this map okay you've got the land of Israel over here, you've got the Jordan River coming straight down the middle and on the bottom by the top part of the Red Sea is this place called Moab. It's on the other side of the river. What's the problem here? Just north of Moab was a little country called Ammon, and the capital of the country of Jordan today is still called Ammon. Moab and Ammon were the two sons that were born to Lot. remember the story of Abraham, Sodom, and Gomorrah? Lot and his wife escaped from from the city of Sodom and, and their two daughters. Lot's wife got turned into a pillar of salt, and the daughters got their dad inebriated, had sex with him, became pregnant, and each gave birth to a son, and one named her son Moab, and the other named her son Ammon. And the descendants of those people were the enemies of the Israelite. Moab was enemy territory. Moab had gone to war with Israel. Moab had hired a prophet by the name of Balaam to pronounce curses on them. And God said, God said, no Ammonite or no Moabite or any of his descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord even down to the tenth generation. They were the enemy. And God said, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not make any deals with them. And Elimelech and his family went down to live in Moab. Now desperate times call for desperate measures. But all kinds of things went wrong here. What was he doing? Elimelech, you take that name apart. The first two letters, L, that's the name of God. Eli means my God. Melek means king. And Eli Melek means my God is king. And if his God was king, what's he doing moving his family into enemy territory? Because there was famine in this house of food. And he got comfortable there. Ten years. Or more they spent there. So why does life become unglued? Sometimes we make bad decisions. Some situations can be salvaged, but you can't unring a bell. Sometimes we make bad decisions and we pay the price for them. I don't know if you've been watching the news the last couple of days or not, but there's a video got posted on the internet. You may have seen it. But this guy goes on the internet and at at first he posts this video and at first his face is blurred out and he talks about how he was depressed and he was out of work and everything. And so he decided to go out drinking one night with a bunch of his friends and went from bar to bar and got horribly drunk and then decided to drive home. And he killed. He went the wrong way down a street or down a road and killed somebody. And he said, "I, I made a bad decision and I killed someone. Now, there's all kinds of kerfuffle on the news right now about whether or not, you know, this is genuine or whether the guy is trying to just, just get out of a bad deal or whatever all else. But the reality is he can't unring that bell. He made a bad decision. And sometimes we make a bad decision and life comes unglued for us. It happens. Sometimes others make bad decisions. The man who lost his wife in that auto accident through no fault of his own. His life changed in a heartbeat. Sometimes other people make bad decisions and it's a collective thing. There was famine in the land. Why was there famine in the land of Israel? Because the people of Elimelech's day made bad decisions. And God took and, and took that country and took that culture and says, I have a lesson to teach of you. Now, Elimelech, even if he was following the Lord with all his heart, because there were <coughs> excuse me, others who made bad decisions around him, he was affected by it. Sometimes others make bad decisions. But Of all the places in the world, Saskatchewan should understand the principles and laws of sowing and reaping. And we cannot, as a country and as a culture, continue to turn our backs on God and turn away from Him and expect not to reap the results. And the reality is that the bad decisions I make affect others around me and bad decisions that other people make affect me. And bad choices made by my country or my culture, regardless of my own adherence to God's principles, will result in collective discipline. It wasn't probably Elie Melek's own particular fault that there was famine in the land, but there was. Why does life unglued? Well, there is this thing called the second law of thermodynamics. Have you heard of that? means that everything tends to run down or break down or whatever all else kathy and I, a few years ago or winter before last were blissfully going down toward regina to a pastors and wives retreat at the end of january in our car and all of a sudden there's this horrible screech from under the hood and a bang and then there's a clang under the car, and a piece goes flying out into the ditch out from underneath the car, uh, and our life changed. What are we going to do now? Kathy says, "Well, what had happened was that, uh, for those of you that are mechanically inclined, that the idler pulley on the on the fan belt had seized up, and and uh, you know it disintegrated underneath there, and." And, uh, you know, the car goes, ching, inside, and a little red light comes on on the dash. Your alternator isn't working anymore. Kathy says, what are we going to do? I don't know. Like, we'll drive until it quits, you know. (laughs) Um, Stuff tends to wear out and run down. I mean, our our bodies do that. Um, They're going to put a new valve in my heart. Uh, I have a choice of either getting a tissue valve, which is either out of a pig or out of a cow, or getting a mechanical one. Now, the problem with the tissue valve is it only lasts 10 or 12 years, and it's, a you know, things tend to wind down. And so it's a repeat procedure. I think I'd rather not go through that. So I'm going to click. I'm going to, you know, and, and if I ever wear a lapel mic, if I get going up here, you'll hear me ticking away. There is also the curse of sin. Sometimes my life becomes unglued because death and decay are as much a part of life as birth and growth is. Catherine lost a brother, had a great grandchild all in one week, you know, it happens. Or another reason life comes unglued is the sovereignty of God. And, and Brian and Bev, I was thinking about this as, as you were talking about Bethany. I can't explain this. Psalm 139 verses 14 to 16 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. And when God made Bethany, he put her together like he did. When God made our youngest daughter, he put her together like he did. And there's something, there's something wrong there. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about within your own families. But Scripture says, When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And God makes choices and decisions that I can neither justify nor explain. But that's what makes God God. I can't explain why God makes some kids one way and other kids in other way. I can't explain why God put me in Canada and gave me a full and rich life instead of in Syria, where someone explodes chemical weapons over my head I saw a news report about Syria this week. There's a place in Tripoli. Tripoli is the second largest city in the country of Lebanon, which is right next door to Syria. And in Tripoli, there is a place called Syria Street. And on each side of the street live two different types of Muslims, and they hate each other. And when you see those streets, the buildings are all pockmarked with bullet strikes. And the people have tarps hanging in their windows so that the snipers on the other side of the street can't see them and shoot them inside their own homes. I can't explain why I'm fat and healthy and affluent in Canada instead of sitting in one of those apartment buildings over there or someplace living in abject poverty in the slums in India or some other part of the world don't know but God makes choices and decisions I can't explain or justify I don't know about you but have you ever accused your parents or have you ever heard the accusation from your own children that you weren't fair? You ever hear that? You know, it's not fair. How come I get to do this and, and she had to wait, you know, I had to wait so long and she gets to do it, whatever. And, and so what's your answer to that? When your kids accuse you of not being fair or when you accuse your parents of not being fair, what was the answer to that? What do you say? Marilyn? My daughter Maggie
0: had that conversation she said Chris or Charlie said her problems <laughs> not fair. It's gonna come
1: back for twenty years. So how does she deal with it? My answer to that is life isn't fair, get used to it. Um, I can't explain it, but there's this thing called the sovereignty of God, and God makes decisions and takes actions that I can't explain or justify, but I know that when my life comes unglued, there is still someone who is in control of absolutely everything. I have a heavenly Father. The Bible says that all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And if he is my heavenly Father, and if I can trust him, I need to be okay with that, don't I? Maybe I can't explain it, but God is still in control whether I make bad decisions or whether I make good decisions. So how do I handle it when life comes unglued? And I can't justify what Elimelech did, but there is a God The Bible says that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. And even when I make, excuse me, even when I make bad decisions, or even when others make bad decisions around me. God can turn that into something good. Now, that doesn't justify me making bad decisions, but it does mitigate, it does lessen the effects, and it helps me to understand that regardless of what happens to me, God is still in control. James. Those verses that I dislike so much in the book of James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Lord, I have enough perseverance. I don't need any more. Perseverance must finish its work. Oh, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then the Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Lord, even if I can't understand, give me the wisdom to act in a way that is pleasing to you. And then trust. Psalm 42, verse 11. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Someone has said that if you come to the, if you ever get to the end of your rope, you tie a knot and you hang on like crazy. And you know what? At this point in time, I'm not facing imminent danger or disaster or anything else. And I hope that when the time comes, if my life were to come unglued, that I'm going to ask God for wisdom, that I'm going to trust in God no matter what happens, and that I'm going to stay faithful to Him as long as I can. Elimelech made some, I think, some bad decisions. However, the Bible doesn't judge it. It simply reports the fact. But God took those bad decisions… And did some marvelous things. This is the start of a wonderful, wonderful story where we're going to th- wind up in thanksgiving, Lord willing. We were going to sing the song, It Is Well With My Soul, but it's 5 to 12. I haven't preached for a whole month, so i uh, gone way over time, but God is good anyway. And I hope that we can um, agree that God is sovereign and we can trust Him. Let's pray together. And then maybe Judy and Eileen, you'll play that song as we're leaving this morning. Father, yeah, you do things that we don't understand and we can't always justify. And sometimes I know life comes unglued because we make bad decisions or others make bad decisions around us. Or sometimes it's the reality that we live in a fallen world or that things are just winding down. But, Lord, we know that that this life is but a vapor. That's what your word says. And that you have something planned for us that is better and eternal. And, oh, God, how we long for that day. But I pray until that time that you would give us wisdom and grace and faith to live in this world as you want us to live. Lord, help us to walk with Jesus. Help us to walk tall even when life tries to beat us down. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We're dismissed.